Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Man, praise the Lord. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise God. If you grab your Bibles tonight, thank you, Brother Luke, and, and praise team. So thankful for what we feel here tonight. I know on Wednesday nights we've got groups and really in multiple different parts of the building tonight in different demographics of age and, and um, different interests where they are this evening. But we're so glad that you are here, amen, to hear the word of the Lord. And um, I want us really before that we open this word and read, I want us to open our hearts to the Lord. God, we love you today. Lord, we thank you today. We glorify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, God. We pray that, Lord, that you would move upon us, move among us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Somebody say, Amen. The book of Proverbs, chapter 27, reading with verse 9. Proverbs, chapter 27, reading with verse 9. I um, want to address something that I think that will help this congregation grow. And if we're not growing individually, we will not grow as a family. If we don't grow as a family, we're not going to grow collaboratively as a church. I believe a great church can really impact a community. Do you believe that? But it all starts with me. It all starts with us individually. Do you believe that? And um, I want to address what I would believe is a weakness of this local body over the years. And I do feel like that God wants to help us. How many want to grow? How many want to see the church grow? Amen. Not just numerically, but but healthy uh, healthy I've seen churches that grow with swelling but uh, it didn't last very long but I want to see uh, a great growth I, I really do you're gonna hear me say this often in the next few weeks but I believe the next six months could be our greatest growth in the history of this church amen how many gonna help us do that tonight we just shout amen um, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 9, it says, Ointment and perfume rejoiceth the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. He's saying that it's good to have a good friend. Would you, do you agree? He said, Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Neither go unto thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. Uh, it's talking about forsake not your friend. What is a friend? And uh, over the years I've had people to tell me, they say, I don't have any friends. I've had a, had a lot of people that have said that over the years. I've been blessed with many, what I would say were many good friends. Uh, but very, very loyal, committed people. 
that if I needed them tonight, they would be here. And uh, to not have that is a travesty. Because I believe one of the greatest gifts is when God gives you a dear friend. Amen. I, I want to talk about commitment to friendship. Commitment to friendship. And uh, you may be seated. I'm, I'm going to teach you tonight what I believe is, is uh, very, very important. I think to the health of a life, uh, to, to really the health of a church, Bible tells us that no greater love hath a man than a man laid down his what? Laid down his life for his friends. And we know that this is talking about Jesus Christ. He laid down his life for you and he laid down his life for me. And it, it is saying that here it's, it's a good friend and there's a little bit of ringing up here in the monitors. Y'all can turn that down a little bit. But it, it is saying here that that a good friend is, is, is uh, it's, it's a good atmosphere to have a good friend that, that um, you have by hearty counsel. And it goes on and says, Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. If you have a friend, you need to embrace them and uh, you need, need to embrace that friend and hold them dear unto you. Forsake not a friend. Why? Because they're valuable. I like verse 14 because it doesn't matter how good of a friend they are. Let's look at verse 14. Are you ready? Look what it says in Proverbs 27. He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. I don't care how good of a friend it is. You start blessing him early in the morning, he's going to be mad at you. He might swing at you. Can I get a witness from somebody here today? I don't care how much you love her. I don't care how much you love him. When they're loud in the morning, you're trying to sleep. Everybody's getting on your nerves early in the morning. And, uh, but it says in, in verse 17, speaking of friendship, look what it says. It says that iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. God gives you people in your life that better your life. I am better today because of the people that God put in my life. Not just that God came in my life. And I think sometimes uh, we, can, we can have this ideology in our mind and create things that make us really that cover up our insecurities. We say, all I need is Jesus. We sing that song. He's all that I need. He's all that I need. Jesus is all that I need. We know what it's talking about. That he is our source of strength. In him we live, we breathe, and we have our being. All good gifts come from the Father of lights. But God doesn't just give us his presence. He gives us gifts unto men. We believe in the fivefold ministry, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We believe that's a gift from God. You give finances. The Bible says money has answered all things. You, you know, you might not serve money, but you're thankful to have a little bit of bread. Can you say amen? But God gives us gifts, and one of those gifts that he gives us are loyal, committed friends. The word friend, typically by definition, the word friend means it's someone that's not a relative. It's someone you're not married to, that you're not in an intimate relationship with when you begin to study friend. But the word friend comes from the word love. A lot of people in the church, depends on which family, they can throw the word around, love you. Do you know what that means when you say love you? 
What you're saying is, I am committed to you. I am committed. You're stuck with me. Look at your neighbor and say, you're stuck with me. And I'm not preaching here tonight that you can't be friends with your spouse. I'm not saying you can't be friends with your brother. But the Bible does say that a friend, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Amen. I'm very dear friends with my brother. My wife, I would consider Cindy my best friend. Amen. I'm close to her. But I do believe that God wants you to have relationships outside of your family, outside of your uh, marriage. And I, I realize because your, your marriage, your, your wife, your, your husband, uh, your mom, your dad, your brother, they know every detail about you and they're stuck with you. Can't go anywhere because both of you said, I do or I will. I mean, it's mom and dad. It's, it's son. It's whatever. And I think sometimes because we have this bond of family, this family sticks together forever, and I believe in that. I'm not discounting that. But sometimes we are only loyal to people that we are uh, blood related to. And to let somebody else in our life means I'm going to have to open up and be real with somebody. And so what we do is we build surface relationships that are not lasting. And I would say in this room, I would say in this congregation, that we have one of the friendliest churches I've ever been to. I really do. I think we're structured, friendly. I think people have the love of God. They, they share that. There's a smiling face at the door. You come in. You come in. People really mean it. It's so good to see you. But where I see us failing in 2023 is that we're not building long-lasting relationships with people. And I think, I think it's, it's not the will of God. Now, I realize you can't be friends with everybody when I'm talking about you can have acquaintances, but you can't have 500 friends and be a good friend to 500 people. You can only have so many best, you got that? How I many know some people can only have one friend at a time? Yeah, you can have more than one friend, but there's going to be people that are more like you. And uh, I do believe there's a law of magnetism. You're going to attract people like you. It's just true. You will have friends, dear friends, open up with people that have common likenesses, common desires. And uh, you can have friends that are not exactly like you. But I think where we can be better in this church is when we call somebody a friend and when we call somebody a brother, it's more than just somebody we wave at on Sunday. That we take time to get to know one another. Get to know somebody that's across the aisle. I think it would be terrible to go to church and for years and somebody sit across the aisle. You see them every week, maybe twice a week, maybe three times a week. And yet never really get to know them. I, I have to say that there, I understand why we don't have testimony services. And so do you. I don't really miss them, Brother Adam. I don't miss them. But sometimes I do. Because there were moments that people testified of what God had done in their life. Really, they, a miracle. And you know what? When you heard their story, you thought, man, that's so good what God did to them. You felt a bond to them because you saw what God brought them through or what God has done in them. How many in this room have a testimony? 
probably nearly everybody, if not everybody, you have something that God has done for you. Everybody say friendship. The word friendship in the study, the etymology of the word, it really just comes from the word love. Love, as I've taught here before, how many know love is emotional? When you say, I love you, my goodness, I can look at sin in the eye with a tear in the eye. Sin, I love you. And uh, that means something. Or I can just say, I love you, and uh, it might not mean anything. It's just cliche, if you will. But when you say, love, love is more than an emotion. I want everybody to say, love is not an emotion. Oh, yes, it is, Pastor. Love is an emotion. No, it's not. Love, love is commitment. Because there's going to be moments when you're married, you're not going to feel any emotion toward love. Boy, it's getting quiet in here right now. You are upset. You're angry. You have disagreement. But what makes you stay and work it out? It's not how you feel at that moment. It's the covenant you made in that moment and if you will work through that you're going to feel the emotion of love again because love is not an emotion love is a commitment you have to learn to be intentional with people in your life and I'm going to say this today that life has a way of getting busy we live in a culture now that uh, we live in a culture that 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 is now in a two-income culture. How many know that? It's a two-income household culture. That, that's where all the, 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 the credit has went up and buying a house. It's hard to do that on one income. And so there is, there is this, this demand that both people are working. And at the end of the day, you don't have a time for a lot of people. You just want to go to sleep. You want to eat and sleep. And I think then you go to a church like the Anchor, we, we, we can sometimes be very busy. How many know there's a lot of things to go to sometimes? I think in moments that here at the church, we've been too busy. So busy that events is what we're driving us and not relationships. I want everybody to say with me, event-centered church will never grow. You can have a bunch of events and the church will not grow. Because the church is not driven to growth by how much we have going on. I will say it the opposite. A church ain't going to grow that has nothing going on either. Wouldn't it be terrible to have a, have a church there was nothing for the youth, nothing for the children, nothing for the seniors, nothing ever to do? I'm going to tell you, you can have a lot of events and have waving, waving relationships. Hello, how you doing? And just saying it in a, in a busy routine, but never develop a relationship. The whole goal of every event in a church should be to get to know somebody in the church that you serve with. Amen. The whole goal of the event, the whole goal of fellowship. Uh, Brother Gene, Sister Cammy, would you stand? They, they oversee our small groups, our interest groups. And I think, uh, name maybe three or four your groups this, this year. That's, that starts, it starts like next week, right? Bridging the Gap, that is a group that talks about what? It, it's just something to get, I didn't create these, these are from within the church saying, we would like the older people in the church to get to know the younger people in the church. I think it's awesome. 
It's, it's getting to know one another. And um, what's another group that you have? First-time moms. First-time moms can relate with first-time moms. How many know that? And they can build relationships with each other. Because you've never been a first-time mom, you don't know what you're missing. Go on. Yeah, pickleball is like tennis, but a little bit easier. It, yeah, pickleball is a, is a raving sport right now in, in, in the U.S. It's a, I played it. It's fun. And uh, you're welcome. I don't know. I'm promoting this. And, uh, but, but sort of like racquetball back in the day. I mean, it's just something we're interested. Why are they getting together? So they play pickleball? It shouldn't be just to play pickleball because you can go up, go up to the wire somewhere and play pickleball. The goal is to get to know people. What's the fourth one? Men's Breakfast Club. Why do they do that? I mean, they can eat breakfast at home by themselves. I mean, who can't fry their eggs? Fry some bacon. Brother Mark can't. Amen. Remember that. Don't let him cook for you. But why is that? To get to know people. You cannot build a church... You can't grow a church. And I will say personally, you can't individually grow without friends. You, you, you cannot. Thank you. The whole goal, and, and to be alone, is to not grow. Pastor, do you believe that? Absolutely, I believe that. I'm telling you, I have lived a life. I'm 45. I have lived a life, and I am better because of people that God has put in my life. I am. Because somebody, that some people God brings in your life for a reason and a season. Some people are in your life forever. I have such bonds with people, friends, that I could go back. I, I, could, I, could, I could name them here tonight. People that I have friends that since I was a child that are still in my life. I'm grateful for that. There's some people that have no childhood friends. And I've had people that's come into my life through ministry. Ministry has been amazing. And guess what? A lot of my close friends, guess what they are? They're ministers. And uh, I have learned in life, uh, I'm going to take a verse here tonight out of context, but I think the principle remains. And it is in the book of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. This, this entire chapter is about love. Love. And so, how many want to understand the gifts of the Spirit? You want to be used of God. Amen. How many want to be used of God? If you want to be used of God in the gifts of the Spirit, go read chapter 11, chapter 12, chapter 13, and, it, and, it, and, and the narrative of the gifts of the Spirit sort of closes in those four chapters of that reading in 1 Corinthians. He's addressing it. And one of the things he says in that portion of Scripture, he says, we are members in particular. Are we not? The hand can't say to the foot, you have no need of me, or I have no need of you. The eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you. Everybody in the body has a purpose, but you're different. And it goes and talks about the different offices, the different giftings in chapter 12, chapter 13. It says it like this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become what? A sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. He said, if I don't have love, something's off. It, it's, like, it's like one of the guitar strings being off or the keyboard playing in another key. Just something doesn't sound right. And he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, have not charity, he said, I am nothing. If I don't have charity, now when you're studying charity, I've taught this before, 
But this is not talking about being charitable. This is not talking about giving things away. This is talking about a love that only comes from God. It's sort of like in Scripture. There was a fire that came from God. Man couldn't start it by himself. This isn't talking about love from man. This is a love that comes from the throne of God. Everybody say the love of God. This word charity here could be interchanged with the word love. But understand it's not love, just love the way the culture paints it. But it's a love that comes from God. And it says, and understand, and though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I can remove faith, so I can remove all mountains and have not charity. He said, I'm nothing. If you have not love of God, he said, I'm nothing. I'm of no significance. I cannot make a difference. I don't care how gifted I am, how much gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because all gifts of the Spirit are to flow from, through, and with love. Amen. The Bible says he was moved by what? Everybody say compassion. The gifts of the Spirit, the gift of prophecy, should, should, it's never about be, you being used of God. It's about them being edified. It's never about God using you. It's about them being better. It's not about God using you. It's about somebody's life being healed. The whole purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is when you see that the body needs something or a person needs something, something moves in you. How many ever seen something that somebody had a, 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 an issue in their life and something in you just moved toward them? You just wanted to help them somehow. It's moved by what? Love, compassion. You, you want to help them. You want to be a betterment to them. And he said, I don't care how much you prophesy. If you got the faith to move mountains and speak all the languages, and I mean, you're good at everything. If you don't have love, he said, you're nothing. Giftings don't matter without love. And he says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. He said, he says, sacrifice is nothing without love. Why am I doing what am I? Why am I doing this? Because love never has anything to do with me. Love has everything to do with you. That's love. Love is selfless. And it goes on and it names it. I'm going to switch the word charity with love just so you'll, you'll, you'll hear it. And uh, uh, he said, love suffereth long. Love is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. Love is not puffed up. Love doth not behave it unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Love, speaking of love, rejoice not in iniquity. Love, what? It, it, it rejoices in truth. It beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Look at verse 9. It's what I'm getting to. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. He said, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. He says it this way. He's talking about when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, we're going to understand all things. We don't understand everything here. Look what he says in the next verse. He says in verse 11, when I was a child, I spake as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. That's why men should be playing video games. I'm trying to find my microphone. Do you notice that? Hello. 
My goodness, are y'all with me? Yep. It says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, there it is again, but then shall I know even as also, also I am known. And now about, about a faith, hope, and charity. Everybody say faith, hope, and charity. He said these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Everybody shout love. Love. It, it, it doesn't boast of itself. It doesn't talk of itself. It, it's, it's, it's not puffed up. It's not, you know, when you, when you meet somebody, uh, when you meet somebody, love doesn't promote themselves. It's interested in somebody else. It is. And when I'm, when I'm talking about iron sharpeneth iron, this verse sticks out to me. I told you I was going to bring a verse out of context, but I think the principle's there. Sister Whitney, it says, I know in part. On this side of heaven, I don't know everything. I know some of it. I don't know all of it. Look at your neighbor say, told you so. I mean, no, we know some, but we don't know all. So God's way of dealing with humanity, he's not going to give one person everything. He's going to give you a portion of it. He's going to give you part of it, you part of it, you part of it, you part of it, you part of it. And there's revelations that come when we get together and when we operate in fellowship, we build friendship, we start seeing things more clearly. God will not just give a man all the revelation. He will give him part of the revelation. That's why the gifts are so powerful. Because it's not left up to the preacher to know everything. And that's why the gifts come in. Because no man in a pulpit can get the glory for a revival or revelation received. Because not, God's not just going to give it to the pastor. He's going to use the body to lay hands on the sick. Use somebody in the body to prophesy. Use somebody in the body to give a message in tongues. Use somebody else to give a message of interpretation. He'll use somebody else in the body to have the gift of discernment. Somebody else somewhere that will have uh, the word of wisdom, a word Word of knowledge. Amen. Why? Because no flesh shall glory in his presence. And one of the worst things that you could ever do is say, I'm not needed in the church. That is unbelief. That is a trick and a trap of the devil. Because if he can isolate you, he can destroy you and hold you from your purpose. And to miss your purpose is sin. Did you hear me? Sin's not just lying and cheating and, and, and some uh, uh, other sins that you can name. I'm going to tell you what sin is. It's to miss the mark of your destiny. What God had planned. How he wanted to use you in your generation. And you miss it through isolation. Miss it because I don't think they would want to get to know me. I don't think my gifts are needed there. I don't think they would, they, I don't think I can be valuable there. I don't, I, don't, I don't think they would want to have lunch with me. I don't think they would want to talk to me. I'm going to tell you, all of that is not true. And the number one reason I've seen that people do not build relationships since I've been in Zanesville is because you think nobody wants a relationship with you. You got two people that shake hands and say, hello, how you doing? Good to see you. Appreciate you, all this, and they don't form relationships because both people think the other one wasn't, wouldn't want to be a friend. I can talk like this because I've been here almost two decades. So strap your seatbelts on, put your hard toe shoes on, let me preach to you for a minute. It is not the will of God to come to church with people for 20 years and not have close relationships. 
I am teaching you not by inspiration. I am teaching you by perception tonight. Very few times in 15 years of pastoring have I taught from perception, but I'm teaching you from perception. Relationships have nothing to do with you. It's everything to do with what is right, what God wants, and it's better for you at the end, end of the day. You need friends in your life. And I think you ought to clap your hands and say, I need a friend. I need a friend. Amen. Iron sharpens iron. Some of the greatest people I've ever met, I've met here. I'm telling you, amazing people that are thriving, wanting to do something for God. Not everybody struggles with this, but there are some that struggle with this. I'm not going to take a poll of, of the hands here today, but there's times that you say, man, I've been in the church, but I don't feel like I know anybody. I, I don't feel like anybody really knows me. Why? Why is that? Is it because they're unfriendly? I'm going to tell you right now is that we have a friendly church, but people aren't looking for a friendly church. They're looking for a relationship. And Jesus, when he came, how many want to be like Jesus? If you really want that, wave your hand and say, I want to be like Jesus. All right, let's go on a 40-day fast. Well, I don't know if I really want to be like Jesus. Amen. What's it talking about? Jesus, when he built relationships, he, 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 was, he invoked, he instigated, started the relationship. He started it. He went to James. He went to John. He, he went to Simon Peter. He went and got in his world, invited them into his world. The greatest disciple maker, soul winner I've ever seen, didn't just say, let me teach you the word. They said, come with me. They break bread. They shared time. They didn't just meet on Sunday. Meet me at church on Wednesday. There was fellowship in the home at a restaurant, at a coffee shop, on the job. They sat down and they had one-on-one -on -one conversations. And you ready? They laughed together. They cried together. They rejoiced together. Can I ask you a question? What is a friend? What is a friend? Is it a friendly face? Is it a smile? Is it a handshake? Is it a wave? Or is it somebody that you create a bond with? It's, it's somebody that you can walk hand in hand with. It's somebody that you, 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 you know them. You, you know what they like. You, you might not, if you get close enough, you might even know their birthday unless you're just terrible with numbers and calendars. You're going to know their name. How I many know it means something to know somebody's name? And being intentional about, about, about them. And it's uh, brother, brother Dave Brown. And you know, I, I feel like I've always known you, but, but when you first came, I would have had to have learned your name. You know what we do? You want to be intentional? Write their name down. Write their name down. You know what? I, I, I like him. Or I, I like her. And you come and you say, I'm going to go talk to them. No one that is a guest should have to sit alone in church. It's so quiet. No one that is a guest should have to repeat, come in and sit alone by themselves. Third service, fourth service, and they get a friendly handshake at the door, they get a wave, they get a call, but nobody sits and says, come sit with me tonight. Look at your spouse and say, I might not sit with you next week because you're stuck with me. But I might sit with somebody else next week or have them to sit with us. 
Because if we're going to grow the kingdom, we've got to grow relationships. How many know this is true? The Bible tells us that he's a friend. Everybody say, he is a friend. I, uh, I'm not going to teach much longer. But I do feel in the future of this church uh, that, that you've got to realize, number one, I need to be a friend. And I need a friend. I have great relationships that were started out of being intentional with, with people. Well, they didn't call me. Call them. They didn't talk to me. Did you talk to them? And, uh, uh, you know, I can't shake everybody's hand every Sunday. You hear me? I try. I try. I try to be intentional. But I can't. If I'm caught up in the altar down here helping somebody pray through the Spirit, Helping somebody repent. Oh, I love to see somebody give their life to the Lord. But every relationship in the church should be based on the relationship with the pastor. The body's got to come. Statistics, only 3% three three of the people come because they like me anyhow. Hurts my feelings, but that's a fact. 75% of people come. You know why? A friend or a family member. Because they saw your life and wanted to hear what changed your life. And when they heard it, it changed their life too. I mean, know that. You build a church through friendships. You build a church through relationships with one another. And I think if we took a poll tonight, everybody in the building said, would say, we could do better at what we do. There really shouldn't be a click in a church. I don't feel like there's clicks. I feel like there's sometimes people are, are close to a certain circle, and, and I think sometimes we're not careful. We don't let anybody in our circle. Are y'all with me right now? Because you feel settled, you feel good. What about, the, what about the hundred people that God's getting ready to bring to this church? And they come in, and their family rejects them because they don't drink anymore, they don't party anymore, they don't cuss anymore, they don't do what they do anymore. Who's going to take them into their life? The future revival of North America is not going to be is not going to be able to be held in a building like this. It's going to be house groups. It's quiet. But it's right. And to where you open up your life, even open up your home to disciple people in your world and teach them the ways of God, even even build friendships and relationships. Boy, it is so quiet in here. Amen. You know who we sat with in church? We sat with our family. Who do we sat with? We sat with our circle. We sat with our friends. I'm not saying it's wrong. I think it's awesome to go to church and sit in church with your family. My wife likes it when I sit with her. I like it too. You're welcome. Amen. When I was... When I was a youth pastor and was reaching people, going to juvenile jails in the schools, I'd ask Bishop Ferris, I said, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to sit off the platform. I've got some guests coming. And I'd come in with my guests. I'd wait them on the foyer, or I'd pick them up. Come in, they sat in the seat with me. Why? Because I didn't know anybody else. And one of them was out there sitting. And I've learned there's power in that. You know what happens when you have a guest with you? When you raise your hand, they lift the right, they don't know why they're raising their hand. They're just... Doing what the friend does. Are, are y'all with me? And I'm going to tell you that, that that is through emulation and trust, they'll open up their life to the Lord. And I'm, 
I could throw seed on the hard ground. Or that ground could be open through friendships and relationships. Everybody in the church should be intentional about building friendships with other people in the church. How are we going to do that? Look at your neighbor and say, I can't wait on you to come to me. Because they might not ever come to you. What am I going to do? I'm going to go to them. So one of the greatest qualities of a friend. I have, I have called people before. And I'm just going to give you an example. I had somebody call me one time. They said, what are you preaching on Sunday? I already knew them. They didn't want to hear what I was preaching on Sunday. They wanted just to start the conversation so they could tell me the great message they were going to preach on Sunday. So I would start because they asked me, but I already knew them. I sound facetious tonight, but I already knew. And I'd stop halfway through and they said, well, you know what? I just last night I had this in my mind and boy, they just went to talking because I've known them for years. I knew they had no interest in me whatsoever because I've known them for a long time. The greatest people in the world are people that are not interested in themselves. The greatest influencers and the greatest leaders and the greatest people that I've ever met never tell me about them. When I sit down with them, I'm talking about friendship. I'm in their town. They don't tell me how great they are. They don't tell me how great their church is. They don't tell me how great everything is. You know what they do? How, how's Cindy doing, Brother Bounds? How, how, how's the Lakin doing? How, how, how are your children? Or tell me about the church in Zanesville. I heard that you've got a... And I already know about them. I know they're great. They've got this great thing going. We look up to them. They've got this great ministry. But they're not telling me how. They want to know about me. And I'm going to tell you, if you want to build relationships, here's what you do. How are you doing? Look at your neighbor and say, how are you doing? I'm something I've learned. Stand up, Brent. When you meet somebody and you, you walk into the room and there's somebody there you don't know, you know, don't wait on the guests to come to you and say, hey, my name's Brent. I like to be a part of this church. I like what's going on. That should never happen. If Brent comes in as a guest, you walk up and say, hey, I'm so glad you're here. No, that's friendly. If you were taught friendly, you're done at that point. If you're really interested, what is your name? How many ever asked somebody their name and then you forgot it three steps away? Everybody can raise your hand. Everybody has done that. It's, it's not because you're, you're, you're not interested. It's just because you've got a mental block. I'm going to tell you why you don't remember people. You ready? Their name. Because when I say, hey, what is your name? My mind is saying, Aaron, 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 Aaron. I'm thinking of giving my name. I'm already answering the question that hasn't been asked. Because that is the natural thing to do. But you've got to break the natural thing. And say, I'm going to be better at getting to know people. you got to genuinely love people. I don't want to look over my shoulder one of these days and say, I, I, never, I never, never took a chance to have a friend, never took a chance to get to know, never took a chance to try to better, better somebody's life. Amen? What is your name? Brent. Brent, we're so glad to have you. My name's Aaron. I'm so glad that you're here. Not, I'm, I'm the bishop pastor. I am the children's minister. I am the assistant. When you say bishop, they think chess piece. Are y'all with me right now? My name is Brother 
I am brother bound. Well, aren't you somebody? I mean, they don't, they don't know what that means. Brothers, is a brotherhood here? See, we, we think people are like us, and they don't know. Can I tell you, it's okay. Come here, Brent. Hey, I'm Aaron. And they think it's cool when later they find out I'm the preacher. But if I told them I was the, I'm just going to throw some name. I was at a meeting one time, and they, they could not say this guy's name without first saying the first apostle bishop. I would like to one time just the first apostle bishop. I'm teasing. They would not let, they couldn't reference this guy in this conference without saying the first apostle bishop. They don't care if you're the first apostle bishop. They might think it's cool later, but right now, Aaron's sufficient. It might be disrespectful if you come as a saint and say, hey, Aaron. Because I think, you know, we've learned title respect and things of that nature. And, uh, but when you're meeting somebody, when you're meeting somebody, it's not about sharing about me. It's about being interested in you. Brent, we're so glad to have you. How did you find out about the church? You might have said Rob. I don't know. But I just want you to know that you're here. Brent, I hope to see you next week. Love to get to know you. And uh, I've used his name three or four times before I ever stepped away from him. And through repetition, I have that. And I want to get to know Brent. Brent's my age. Brent, Brent is, is uh, somebody I'd like to get to know. And, and have we built a relationship in the last, last five, six years? We have. And I've spent most Wednesdays together for the last five years. Wednesdays at 6 o'clock. You know why? Because when they came to the church and sat in the back, I came off the platform and said, Brent, it's been a long time. What brings you here? He said, I don't want to be lost. I want my life to be right with God. When I committed, committed to you, I was committed to you. And uh, there were some days I couldn't meet, so I sent a text. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't meet. There were some days I was late, so I sent a text and said, I'm going to be late. And we would we'd meet because relationships are intentional. They just don't happen. Thank you, Brent. Had a guy one time, he, every time I'd get around him, he was so excited. He would love the events. He loved to do fun things. He was a blast. And every time I said, he said, man, you know what? We need to get together. I'm like, yeah, we do need to get together. I'd get all excited about it. He said, you know what? Next Saturday, let's mean you go such and such. I said, you know what? I was young. I didn't have a schedule. I could do whatever I wanted to do. Next Saturday, I was standing out there having my stuff ready to go hang out with him. I was sitting under the carport. I waited because he's going to be there at a certain time. That time came. Five minutes later, 10 minutes later, 30 minutes later, an hour later, we didn't have cell phones then. Never called. Never said I'm not going to be there. Never saw him. Next time I saw him, hey, man, it's so good to see you. Let's me and you get together. I said, I'd love to. Oh, I just thought, man, he forgot. I, I was too embarrassed to tell him. Well, you didn't even show up the next time, last time. I said, you know what, I'll, I'll see you. I'll wait. And uh, I was at my house and sitting there waiting. And uh, I was out there, had all my stuff ready, just like I did a few weeks before. Had all my stuff ready. And he got out there. It came time for him to come. He didn't come. I waited five minutes. I waited 10 minutes. I did not wait an hour. The third time, saw him a few weeks later. Hey, Aaron, man, it's so good to see you. He never said, sorry, I didn't pick you up the last time. He never in reference the first time. You know what he said? Man, I want you to know, I, I, I would love to hang out. Why don't we get together? 
I'm telling you, this is how it happened. This is, he said, I can't, Millie, Mr. Millie, he said, I, man, we're going to have so much fun. I'll be there Saturday. Guess what? I never got my stuff together. Because I realized he was about inspiration, but wasn't about commitment. And the next time, he wouldn't have showed up either. And what I'm saying is, if we're going to be a church, you're going to have relationships. Dad, you've got to be committed to those kids. Wife, you've got to be committed to your husband. This isn't some pie-in-the-sky relationship. It's going to be great. If you're going to have a relationship, you've got to be committed to that relationship. If you're going to say you're going to be there, how many know you need to be there? You know, an outgoing personality, if you run a personality test, the person that is outgoing, the negative of that is going to be not dependable. Did you hear me? An outgoing personality can be friends with everybody but committed to nobody. You've got to understand, I can't be committed to everybody, but I do need to be committed to some things. How many know that? Let your yay be yay, and let your nay be nay. And what I'm saying in this church, in this church, am I, am I bringing you a word of instruction? I am tonight. Because I think if the church is involved with what God is doing in the kingdom, I think we need to be plugged in. Hey, I preach to the core tonight. I preach to the people that are here on Wednesday nights. I understand your value. I understand people that I've pastored longer, longer than I've been alive. I pastor people that's been in church longer than I've been alive. I pastor people in the church that have been here longer than I've been the pastor. I understand your level of commitment. But we are living in a generation that is, that is a mile wide and an inch deep. Did y'all get what I said? Very inspirational. But they can't hardly keep my, I'm, I'm wondering right now. Let's all stand. Brother Brent, would you get that water for me? Would you give me the water I left down there? You know what they do on jobs today? They don't fire them when they don't show up. They reward them if they do show up so many times. Did y'all hear me back there? Hey, sound booth, did you hear me? Hey, media booth, did y'all hear me all the way back there? All right. Y'all hear me on this side of the church? We live in a generation. Ten years ago, they told me. They told me a worker at UPS, he said, people used to get fired for not coming to work. Now they throw them a pizza party if they come for three weeks straight with not being late. That's the hour we live in, is we want a paycheck with no commitment. We want benefits with not being intentional. We want relationships if they'll call us. They'll call me. You don't have to keep them on the phone an hour because nobody wants to be on the phone an hour. Not most normal people want to be on the phone an hour. Are y'all ready for this? We went from Morse code back in the day. Somebody read out the Morse code, huh? We developed phones and people had relationships. Girls that I graduated with, they took senior pictures with telephones in their hand. Just seems so dumb to me. I don't understand that. Talking and hanging out. Pictures, they took pictures with their phones. Then we come back to texting. Now you got young people that sit in the same row, three feet apart, and won't talk, but they'll text each other. You know why? Because we built walls that said, I'll have better relationships with people I can't see than I can people that I can see. Oh, you better hear this preacher. And God has given us, even through COVID, 
COVID changed something. The, 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 whole, the whole concept, I'll pray for you, but I'm not touching you. The, the ministry of the, 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 the ministry of, of, of through a screen. The Bible says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You know what God intended? God intended for there to be relationships that you can stand in front of people. And uh, 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 in a day of email and texting where there's no face present, no relationships are being built. Our generation will have tens of thousands of followers on social media, but not one friend. Why? Insecure. Afraid you won't like me. Take 150 pictures before they post one. Now they come out with a new social media deal. It's called Be Real. How many ever heard of Be Real? How many know what Be Real is? How many know what Instagram is? Come on, help me now. How many heard of uh, Snapchat? Shouldn't have it. Amen. I'll just move on. Be real is this. You take a picture right where you are, and people are getting too real from what I hear. Because they do all these fake posts and all of these change the identities of who they are because people don't really want people to know who they are. Can I tell you? I had, a, I had an elder one time that he, I was at his house. He was like a grandfather to me. And I hung on his property for years. I didn't have a grandfather because he died when I was three months old. The other grandfather died before I was born. So I sort of adopted a few older men in my life growing up that I call them grandpa or I just honor them to see them as that. And uh, uh, I, I love the thought. Brother Hisson was so good to me. I hung his property for years. And just behind my stand on top of the ridge, there was this massive, massive uh, ridge that had all these pine trees. And I, I said, uh, I remember seeing that. One year I went up there, they were all cleared. I said, Brother Hissom, I said, I see that you've cleared all those pines. He said, yeah. He said, I, I harvested that. And he said, uh, to send my, my granddaughter to, to college. And uh, I said, really, man, that, that, is, that, is, that is something. That's awesome. But the family member he's trying to help stole his debit card. $200 at a time took all that money from him it didn't go towards he was intentional about loving people he adopted so many kids over the years he had so many foster kids that he raised and uh, I remember going back and talking to him and I was asking him he told me about it I said, I said man that's something somebody else that he had helped along the way he was always reaching and helping and loving took his car and went to another state. They were going to go to the gas station, the grocery store. Didn't come back. Stole his car from him. And I said, Brother Hisson, man, doesn't that make you just want to push people out? He said, I have learned. He said, it's better to trust and get hurt again than to not trust and live in a prison by yourself. Truth. How many ever been done wrong by somebody that you trusted? You know what I've learned in 2023? Almost everybody's been wounded by somebody. And especially in this city, the family dynamics are worse than American uh, demographics, are worse than the, the national average. And uh, there's a lot of wounded people. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't matter what somebody else did to you, God wants to bless you. God wants to put some iron in your life. Somebody that'll, the Bible says a, 
a, a friend will what? Love at. How many's ever had a friend to leave you? Boy, I have. I thought they were my friend. An important moment in my life that a true friend would be there. Couldn't get a hold of them. Wouldn't respond. They got my message. But it was a surface relationship on one side. What I thought was commitment, I was just really not committed to. Our problem in 2023 is we have commitment issues. How many know we got to let our word be our bond? If we commit to being at church, we should be there. If we commit to helping a group out, we should be there. We can't have just this shallowness. Are you saying we're shallow? That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying we can be better committed to one another. How do you know they're my disciples? He said they're going to love one another. That doesn't mean I love you. Because I can love you by, 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 by voice that has zero commitment to you at all. When we say I love, that means I'm committed. Everybody say committed. When? In the good times, the Bible says rejoice with them that rejoice. Be careful somebody that can't rejoice when you're having victory in your life. Did you hear me? Look at your neighbor and say, will you rejoice with me? The Bible says weep with them that weep with them that weep. What does that mean? That means their, their mom and dad dies. Their family member dies. I'm going to the viewing. I'm going to be there. I'm going to sit there with them. I'm not going to I'm not going to, 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 to be so much around them that I'm swarming them or covering them up, but I'm going to be near. I'm going to be available. The church should weep with them that weep. And what? And rejoice with them that rejoice. When one of your children come back to the Lord, we're going to shout about it. And if your child has not come back to God, I'm going to rejoice with them because if I can rejoice with them, God's going to trust me with my victory. God's going to trust me with my prayer. God's going to trust me with my answer. Amen. A friend loves at all times. What if the friend backslides? What if a member walks away from God? Loveth when? So I shout, at all times. I do. I, I, I want... I want uh, ladies with ladies, but I, I want you to, man, I want you to step away from your spouse or somebody. I want you to go sit or go stand beside somebody that's not your family tonight. I want you to move. A lady with a lady, man with a man. Go find somebody that maybe you haven't been close to. Step across the aisle with somebody maybe you don't know as well. It's uncomfortable, but do it. Find somebody else. Maybe you don't know their name or what. Haven't talked to them in a while. I love this. Brother Mike and Brother Brian. Amen. How many deal with shyness? Would you raise your hand? I used to. Right. I want you to introduce yourself to them.
say something. Listen, Megan, y'all know each other. Yeah, come up here. Y'all too, you're too close. Praise God. Brother Tackett, Brother Shook. We'll come up here with Brother Shook. say you're awesome devil's been lying on you amen you're better than what the devil's been saying about you come on look at somebody encourage them so glad you're in this church don't tell them your last name tell them your first name it's all right you're not unholy by giving them your first name tell them something you like to do you tell that person you're talking to, say, I want to talk when we're at church next service. Once you come say hi, I'm going to find you. Tell them, I'm going to find you. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.